Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Today, I have on a really special guest, somebody that I actually was introduced to from a podcast that I was listening to, but she is an OG in the beauty space. To know her is to love her. She was doing the real and authentic game before a lot of us did. So today, I would like to welcome you to be introduced or to kind of meet up for where we are today with Raw Beauty Christy. Christy started in 2012 sharing her honest, real, and relatable experiences. Everything from beauty, travel, food, infertility, motherhood, and so much more. Her fan base looks her fan base really looks to her to kind of tell it how it is. And she always has done that. She has done amazing deep dives on some really incredible topics. She's one of my favorite follows, and I'm really, truly excited to have her here today. Christy, thank you so much for being here. We were just chatting before I hit record, but I found you on Approachable Podcast. You were somebody who I think because I only knew you from like the sound of your voice and like immediately looked you up and looked up your content. I'm somebody who came like such at the the last quarter of your career. I haven't even been there for the whole thing, but I remember you were talking about cluster headaches and mm-hmm. I remember you were one of the only people that I found talking about something in a way that was so compassionate towards everything in the realm of like, you were struggling so much at the time you were talking about how this was like almost a daily battle. You were going through these really, really painful cluster headaches or cluster migraines. I'm not sure which one. And you were saying like, it still sucks when you stub your toe and I went, oh my gosh, I love this person because <laughs> she, she still acknowledges that we're not in a pain Olympics with each other, that like, even when you're going through the worst of things, everybody's pain is valid and everyone's, and, and I just, rem- that moment is so burned in me because it truly changed the way I, I thought and approached other, especially when you're going through something really crappy and you see somebody going through something that's like crappy, but less crappy than yours. And you're like, you don't even, you don't even, you don't even know. And I always am reminded of that one podcast. So I'm truly so honored to have you on today to kind of dive into your career and everything and motherhood, which is 
so exciting, but kind of give a little bit of an introduction because like I introduced you as being an OG in the space, but I'd love for you to kind of introduce yourself a little bit. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's so exciting. I don't know. It's so hard to like sum up your, (laughs) the last 10 years. I, I feel like I've been doing this for about 10 years. I would say I started in 2012, I think. Yeah. I Googled 2012. Okay. (laughs) Perfect. I looked you up. Before that, I had a YouTube channel where I was trying to conceive a baby. And that was basically how I started on the internet because I found community through other people that were going through the same thing because nobody in my real life was actively trying, but not able to, like Mm. most people that I knew were just like, Oh, I got pregnant first month. And so I needed to find community people that were doing something similar to me so that I had some sort of like support in any way. And I found this online community of people that were trying to conceive and became such close friends at a time that was really difficult for me because I was struggling with infertility. And then I, we tried for years and years and years and years and went to reproductive endocrinologists and we did everything short of IVF. We just literally couldn't afford IVF. (laughs) It was just, thank you for saying that though. Cause (laughs) I think that that's such a that's such a difficult part of the conversation when people talk about infertility and they're like, people are like, why don't you do IVF? Realistically, not everybody can. Oh, we were not even in the, in the potential possibility of being able to try it. Like we were signing up for, there was like this company that was giving away free IVF sessions. And every year we would like, you know, submit our little video and hope that we would get it. We never got it. And we just could no longer afford to try to conceive. And we did it for years and years. We went to like I said, reproductive endocrinologists, we were spending like upwards of almost a thousand dollars a month just on all of the stuff that we had to do, like all the shots and the pills. And it was really taking a toll on me, not just mentally, but physically all of it. And so we just decided to take a break, but I still really enjoyed doing YouTube. And so I was like, well, what do I do? I don't have anything that I know outside of trying to conceive. Like that was literally my everything. That was all I ever did all day long was talk about. And so I was sitting with my friend Marie and she, I met her through that space and she has a whole bunch of kids, but she was really supportive and awesome and active in that space. And I asked her like, what would I do? And she, sorry, I have a cat meowing in the background. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we love a cat. Let it go. <laughs> Let it meow. I asked her like, what, what would I even do? And she goes, I don't know. What about makeup? And I'm not even a makeup person. Well, I wasn't then. And I just, I like to wear it. I wore it every day, but not, I had no idea what I was doing. And I said, okay. And so I just bought makeup from Amazon. Actually, I bought a palette and a Mac paint pot. I remember oh and gosh. some brushes from coastal sense. And I just said, okay, well, I'm just, we're going to take a break from trying to conceive. And, uh, I just started practicing makeup and I created my YouTube channel that I have now. And I just realized it's really fun to do makeup. And it was like such a distraction from the sadness and heartache that I'd gone through with trying to conceive and not ever having that happen. And so the rest is history. I mean, we're, I think I created that channel in either 20, I think I started everything in like 2012. And so we're 10 years in and I do beauty tutorials, product reviews, you know, and of course I was able to get pregnant (laughs) surprisingly and shockingly. I'll never forget (laughs) that video. It was so, we were pregnant. You gave birth really similar time to me, I think. When was he born? December 1st. So when was So I was a month later, six weeks, six weeks later. She was January 15th. 
Oh, for some reason, I thought she was older. I don't know why, but okay. okay. She looks older. I know she just never looked like a newborn, but yeah, I do remember. I remember your video and I, I remember that whole reveal, but I hadn't followed you all along. So in my head, I do this with people where I start following them at a certain stage. And then I just like start there. I don't really dig sure. into people's past and stuff. I knew that you struggled with infertility because of the, the podcast that I listened to you on. But I, I honestly thought you were like most beauty YouTubers who just had grown up knowing beauty, being around it, starting. I love that you were just one day, like, I'm just going to try doing that. Cause I think that a lot of people wait for something to make them special or to make them something in, or have a certain gift or a talent in order to step into spaces and start. And you sort of went the opposite of that. You're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Let's and give this a no go. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, actually never. I would wear makeup, but like, I actually have a video on my YouTube channel, like at the very, very beginning. And I like show my crumbly little black eyeshadow with the little like squishy pad that I would put on my, like it, it was, I was just a very average makeup wearer and yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I started YouTube and I just started watching makeup tutorials. So I learned everything that I know about makeup from YouTube. I never went, I'm not like professionally trained or anything. You yeah. don't have to, you know, I'm not yeah. like, I'm not, you know, necessarily like doing makeup on people or anything, but yeah, no, I had no idea. I just thought I can't quit YouTube because I found so much joy in creating content. Mm. And I, it was just, it took my mind off of things to the point where I actually not only was, when I was in the height of infertility, you could not have convinced me I would ever be okay with, with that. Like ever, mm. I was literally in the pit of my soul. Like I was born to be a mom and then I had to come to terms with it. But because I found makeup and just like this hobby that I fully like engulfed myself in, I actually became totally okay with it. Like, mm. and I never could have believed it. I, you couldn't, you couldn't have convinced me. And I was like, you know what? I, it is not my destiny to be a mom. I'm just going to just dive headfirst into this and try to put my heart and soul into it. And I didn't know you could, you, there was no monetization when I started YouTube, right. it, you were you were just doing it for fun. So I didn't know that you could make a job out of it. You yeah. know, I just, I thought it was really cool that some people had, but yeah, I just, I just learned through the years. So if you scroll back to my first videos, I am really not good at makeup, like at all. But don't you and, love that though? Like, I, I don't know what, like, sometimes I feel like the internet is birthing people who are so inherently good at stuff now. And I'm yes. just like, you know what? You all grew up with the internet in a very different way than we did, which was like coding our minds, our MySpace. Like my blog, oh, yeah. I, I coded because I Googled how to code it. And yeah. I remember like, it seemed you never, I didn't monetize anything for a decade. And it's wild because I'm like, this is why I I can stay in this work because I genuinely loved it not making money. And yes. now it's really cool that that is like such a part of it and that there's ways to get that support because let's be real. It's a very, very big job. And it requires like a lot of yourself to put into it, especially like you were doing something that wasn't, you know, when I was, when I was looking back at, cause I, I did start following you only a few years ago. So I didn't see sort of like those early years of it, but you were known as being one of the realest in the space before it was cool to be real. Like now it's cool to be real. It wasn't cool back in the day. It was like, it, it was something that you like, everything was all about being like cookie cutter. Perfect. That's sure. what made it big on Pinterest. That's what made you big on Tumblr. That's what made you big on Instagram. YouTube right. was always a little bit grittier, but it was still slick. And you are kind of known for being one of the original people of being like really real with it. (laughs) 
Now, this one's for my U.S. listeners, and I want to talk about Claire because Claire is an innovative new e-commerce paint startup. Yeah, that's right. Paint that takes the hassle out of paint shopping. I don't know about you, but paint shopping for me is going to the store, the hardware store multiple times, grabbing a bunch of paint chips, thinking I know what I want in my head, bringing it home and realizing it doesn't work at all. Then scrolling Pinterest, trying to find the right shades, bringing it home, painting my walls, realizing that's also wrong and going back and forth a bunch of times. It has to be simpler. It has to be less hassle. And with Claire, it is because they take the hassle out of paint shopping with streamlined selection of designer curated colors with peel and stick paint swatches and premium paint and supplies delivered straight to your door. Claire is also a Black-owned business. It was founded by interior designer named Nicole Gibbons. Nicole saw that traditional paint shopping had an experience that was outdated. It was full of hassle. And she decided to create a better brand with a whole new experience that's easier, faster, more convenient, and more inspiring. Claire also offers ultra-premium paint that's healthier for your home and the environment. Claire's paint formulations are zero VOC, Green Guard Gold certified for better indoor air quality, and meets the most stringent chemical emission standards. Claire's also formulated without any toxic air contaminants, hazardous air pollutants, EPA chemicals of concern, so it's paint you can feel good about using in your home. Claire is also going to offer that expert guidance, tons of educational content to help you tackle your paint project like a pro and with an expiring blog full of home ideas, tips and tutorials to help you create a home you love. Claire's truly thought of every single detail to help you make a paint project easy. And I know that sounds like it's impossible, but it's true. With Claire, you can find everything you need to find a paint color, tackle your paint project with confidence without leaving your home, which is exactly how I want to spend my Friday night, let me tell you. And with all of those products to inspiration tips and tutorials, it's literally one-stop shop. For your next paint project, definitely give Claire a try. Visit Claire at www.claire.com papaya to get started and receive 10% off your order. That's Claire.com, C-L-A-R-E.com slash papaya for 10% off. Thanks, Claire, so much for that coupon code. And let's get back to today's show. What's up, everyone? I'm Sheena Shea. You may know me from nine seasons of Bravo's Vanderpump Rules, but I'm here to tell you about my podcast called Shenanigans. We talk about everything from reality TV, pop culture, relationships, parenting, and invite you to join the conversations with Q&A sessions where nothing is off the table. There's so much more I want to share with you. Thanks for listening and make sure to subscribe to Shenanigans to stay up to date with new episodes every Friday. Now, let me ask you two questions. One, people always want to niche everybody into a certain thing. And I knew you as like a beauty guru. I didn't know that you started as like an infertility thing. So when you created that shift, how did your audience receive you suddenly changing the way that you were showing up on social media? Because I think a lot of people probably debate that for themselves. Like, I think I'm done with this chapter. I need to take a pause from this chapter and try something else and maybe don't feel like they'll be supported in it. So how was that sort of journey for you? Well, those, those people in that community could not be more supportive and helpful and kind and wonderful. Like to be clear, my community prior to this was like really, really small because there's really not that many people out there that would share that kind of 
side and vulnerability of their lives, yeah. you know, on the internet. So I think it was, it was a really small group, but people all came over and I think some people still follow from back then. And it was really not hard for me to switch, like I said, because it was such a small community before, but yeah, I mean, that was always my, I hate to say shtick. I don't want it to seem like that, but I remember I started my YouTube channel. And so when she said makeup, I was like, okay, that's a great place to start. I'm artistic. I am creative. I want to do that. But I feel like the, the makeup that I am seeing online is not like, I'm not, not that I wanted to tear it apart. I will say I was a lot more like that than being in my YouTube channel because I was a lot more crass of a human being. I just was things, things were different on the internet in 2012. Yeah. Okay? But I just wanted to be honest. It was, if it was an amazing product, I would say it. If it wasn't, I wasn't going to sugarcoat it. And that has been my thing that I wanted to do forever. And so that was, I guess how I kind of been known online is that I will, I just say it like it is because it's true. And I think I was really, um, brutally honest. I mean, mm. more, more so than <laughs> like, I I've kind of, I kind of took that as a part of initially, cause I've always said, I'm never going to lie about anything. Even if that hurts my relationship with the brand or if that hurts. And like, I, it just is what it is. Yeah. It's either for you or it's not. And honestly, it's not that deep it's makeup, but <laughs> some people in the, in on the online space really took it seriously, especially there was like a time I would say like anywhere from 2017 to 2020, mm. that time span was like, for me, at least that was like a really big deal. People wanted, you know, real honesty. They want you to like scrutinize the makeup and test it and review it. And so every, I really took that on and very seriously wanted to make sure I always make sure that I have all of my information accurate and that I'm, you know, it was, it was a lot of pressure for me because I wanted to make sure that people were, they trust me. I want people Mm -hmm. to trust me and I do not lie. And so, and that, and I, you know, I, I turned down a lot of sponsorships and I turned down a lot of not because I'm trying, but I'm, I'm worried. I want to make sure that I'm always being very genuine because I yeah. don't like it. People are dishonest. And I feel like at times on the internet that I think people feel that way sometimes, you know, it's really 100%. easy. To- <laughs> You're, we're fighting so hard for a whole industry to be taken seriously while simultaneously pumping out products that maybe aren't used, maybe have been used for two days and we're putting like a name and endorsement behind. I feel that I have constantly, like there's been times where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills this month, but saying yes to this isn't going to be genuine. And it's going to set me back like five years in building trust. If I pump out something. And I remember I did something way back and it was like literally a product exchange, but I just wanted to get into the space to try and earn money. And so it was a waist trainer, which is like so cringe, but back then they were, you know, very mainstream and I was very into diet culture. And I posted a photo of that, that photo, I was never paid for it. I never made any money. It's been held against me so many times. It is still floating in ads because I signed something that I should, I had no skin, like that trust. When people see my face attached to that product, I'm still working to dismantle like loss of trust that I created for people. When I talked about something and I could barely even zip it up, I could barely breathe. I never was able to actually use it. And that was something that, you know, you, you make mistakes along the way. So I appreciate brutal honesty. And I also get that, like, this is still an industry that is gaining trust. It means having to say some really hard, I got a really good one. I, you know what, this is great timing for this. Cause I got a really good offer today and it was good. I was like, I said to my manager, don't even tell me the number. Cause I know it's like real juicy. and I don't want to know it because I know it's a no, or it's, it's not a no. Uh, it wasn't a hell yes. Do you know what I mean? And yes. I was like, 
if I can't get there with the hell yet, don't even tell me what it is because then I will feel like maybe I could have done this or maybe if it's not a hell yes, it's got to be a no. And especially when it comes to beauty brands, we've seen a huge change with this with TikTok though. And it comes under, I know I'm going to bring up one big one, which is the Jones Road controversy of this year. It wasn't even a controversy, but like the vast amount of opinions that happened across this one brand product. I bought it. I, 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 I bought it because I was like, I have to know there's like people who are like, this is the worst product I've ever tried in my life. And then there was the other side that was like, this is incredible. It is amazing yeah. for your skin. It feels so good. And I was like, no, I'm now I'm buying it. Now I'm a consumer because I literally say I hate drama, but I love it at the same time. <laughs> but it was like this yeah. weird, we're in this like we are in a bit of a new phase of like brutal honesty. But then I remember the first girl who was like, I hate this stuff. And everyone was like, we hate you. And then, <laughs> and then the, yeah. uh, I mean, Bobby Brown herself, like jumped into the conversation. Yeah. It was so messy and so chaotic, but it put Jones Road on the map too. And also yeah. I, I'm going to say it right here. I hate stirring that foundation. I love how it is on my skin. Yeah. I haven't tried it yet. It's really weird. It's really weird, but it's really, you can't put moisturizer or primer or anything on your face. You have to literally treat it like this is what is on your skin. If you have skin that is like aging or dry, it like everyone, every single time I wear it's like, what did you do? And I'm like, this is, this is working. I just don't love the application and I don't love the consistency of it, but it looks so good on the skin. Like it literally gives that glow that you just wish you had at 16 again and you get it now. But the brutal honesty in the makeup industry is difficult. Did you find you got a lot of like hate if you hated on something that was like, or is it different now? Do you find like back then, was it hard to be honest about stuff? No, I feel like it was immediately appreciated because of, well, I think a lot of people weren't really, maybe I'm underplaying it, but I could be pretty harsh. And I, <laughs> I just, I used to be really, really like, I used to cuss a ton and I used to just be, I mean, crass is an understatement. Every other word out of my mouth was cussed, but it's, I just, that's just who I was. I'm so yeah. different, mentally different of a person now, just, you know, you, you, you change, but I don't think that there was a negative. I think people like it because mm-hmm. it, and, well, I, I will say though, it does feel sometimes like if you have a negative review, you're honest. And if you have a positive review, you're trying to climb up the brand's ass or I don't know if I can say ass on your podcast, but no, um, you absolutely can okay, swear all okay. the swears. <laughs> okay. Um, but it does feel sometimes like people do take negativity as honesty. And if it's not negative, then you're the good side with the brand. And that is not the case. I will say that in the beginning, it was a lot easier to be more brutally honest because makeup sucked a lot more 10 years ago than it does now. It's honestly brands have really stepped up their game to where I used to do these like first, I still do them like first impressions videos where you're testing makeup. And before I feel like it was kind of 50, 50, like some products were so bad that it was, you couldn't help but rip them apart. And now I'm doing them and it's like, maybe one will be bad, but like makeup's just kind of across the word good. But I do feel that people really appreciate honesty Mm -hmm. and it's not been hard for me. And I don't feel like you will, you will get some people being like, you are just so negative. Like you are, you you hate everything, (laughs) but in the makeup industry specifically, at least it was this way. And it's hard for me to say now, but makeup is dramatic. I don't know why, why is is the beauty industry so dramatic, (laughs) but that is what does well. Well, at least that's what people want to see is, is the drama. 
<laughs> yeah, there is. If if you follow any YouTube drama whatsoever, there is usually a beauty YouTuber at the center of it. And it happens so often. But when you, you've now gone off and like made your own makeup palettes. I remember when your first one dropped and it sold out so fast. How did you deal with people being honest back with you? Or did you have to deal with that at all? Because that's something I struggle with now is like, even if you were an influencer for a brand or you're somebody that's working with a brand or even like, I've even just talked about products that I like not pay. Like I do that more often than not. I like to talk about things I like no matter what. And you become the customer service. You become the person that they're like, (laughs) this came and this was, I was like, okay, I'm nowhere near a warehouse. I've never seen it. Okay. Let me help you. You're like, you become their customer service, right? So I would love to hear, how was that experience for you kind of being on the flip side of like, I am in the makeup industry now, like I'm on the producing side of it. How was that experience, especially having like such a sellout success? It was, well, it was so stressful. (laughs) I couldn't even believe I didn't realize, you know, you don't know how you're going to do with something until you do it. And I take it I don't take the reviews super personally. Everybody has different preferences. It really doesn't matter. Like I understand that everybody likes things differently. Everybody is looking for something different. The reviews I did not take personally. I, I, if the product was poor quality, which I would never put my name on anything mm. that I would consider poor quality, then that would be a different story. But the customer service experience for me is so important. And because that first launch was there was a lot of website crashing. <laughs> that happened. Oh, dang. Um, yeah, I've heard really of that happening. Good. It was like a really, really, really rough experience. And so I was crying for like 24 straight hours because yeah. I just wanted everybody to have a good buying experience. And so every single DM that came into me, I was screenshotting and sending the brand. And I did take it way too much onto myself to make sure that everybody's experience was good, but it was a good learning experience. The second mm-hmm. makeup product that came out, because I came out with two collabs in 2020, one with Pure and then one with ColourPop. And the ColourPop one was much more smooth in that, in that. And I I feel like it was overall received really well. It's weird because you wouldn't think it would be that stressful. Maybe it, I hate to even use stressful and I, and I hesitate to use words like that because when you're not in this job, it, it really doesn't seem, seem like it would be difficult. And I'm sure that yes. all of us, have, <laughs> it, it's not like, okay. I even look at other people doing it and I'm like, God, you, how do you do this? So simply, how did you make that video? So look so easy. Why is it so hard for me? And oh, yet, I, I think everyone, like Oh God. <laughs> I wish I could take the camera up and just like take a picture. No, like everything is chaos all the time. And I feel like some people are a little bit more organized with it or maybe have natural more skill to it. But the reality is it's 90% of the time it's stressful. It is. And it's hard because I have worked traditional jobs. They are, they are a different hard. It's not that it's just a different hard. It's, it's almost like when you say like, oh, is it easier? Is it easier or harder to have a baby or a toddler? It's like, different levels of hard. It's not, it's not that one's harder or easier than the other. They're just totally different. It's the same thing with this job. You can't really know what it's like until you're in it. And I think even me, I used to look at people and be like, Oh my God, why don't you complain a little bit more from your giant house and you're staying at home all day. And then when you do it and it's like, be creative, be cool, be funny, edit it, have lots of content out on time. So it's definitely, (laughs) it can be stressful. And so the same was for me with creating products and I was always like, oh, if I could create a product, I would make the best product in the entire world. And then when you're actually into it and the amount of back and forth and samples and this and that, and then you start questioning, like, are people even going to like this? Because you see it so much that you're like, this, does this suck? (laughs) You know, you just have to like trust the process, but it's hard for me. I realized in that moment that I am not 
a CEO type of lady. I am not, you know, you never know who you are until you do it, but there are some people that can like bust ass and be like real on top of things and like be the manager. And I'm more of like, not that I thought I was, I thought I could do it. And I thought I would be amazing at it. And like, it would really come naturally to me because I can be a real, like a leader, but I don't like the fast pacedness of it all. I enjoyed making product, but it just, I was like, I don't know how people do this every single day. Yeah. When you see companies and, and I, and I've realized that too, when you see companies and they have like drops every week. And I'm like, when I have any sort of collab, like I'm usually not sleeping the night before I usually wake up and have like a stress IBS flare. I'm usually like on my phone for like 24 hours straight, just making sure everything goes well. And then if it doesn't, even if it's like slightly not perfect, I'm like, oh my God, the level of stress in doing drop. I don't know how brands do it, but I also realize they're, they're doing it differently. They're standing behind a brand where we are the brand. And that's different because you're constantly the face. So you're constantly, when I say that we're the customer service, like it's just because we're the approachable one, right? Like we're the one that can be the face to something. So it does, it does make things obviously a lot more serious, but you're right. Like even through the process of being like, will people like it? Is this a win? Is this a hit? You don't know. Like I just had a collab drop last week and it's not until people are receiving it and trying it that I'm feeling really confident in it because I can only measure from my own self and my own standpoint. So I can only say, and we're talking like people don't see the years of work that go into it, the drawing boards, the back and forth, the testing, the modeling, like all of that is sort of like by the wayside when there's like a 15 to 30 second experience that somebody's about to have with you or about to have with like what they're seeing and their first impressions and then receiving, deciding to invest, receiving the product. And then their initial reactions, you're like, I have two years into this. Tell me what you think. And that moment is when it is like all boils down to. So, I mean, it takes a lot when you were doing beauty reviews and stuff. Did you find yourself sometimes going softer on like the smaller brands? Yeah. I, I apologize a lot. I'm like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I don't like it. I'm so sorry. If it were like this, I would. And it's just maybe a personal preference, but I'm just saying it is so hard because it's, I, and I always preface everything with saying not everything works for everybody. And I, Mm. and if I hate this, it will, because there are clearly people out there buying this and loving this. Like the perfect example is Jones road 50, 50. You either think it's the grossest, nastiest thing on your skin, or you're like, it makes me look 16 again. And you don't know until you try. And it's not a personal dig against the brand or Bobby Brown mm-hmm. or anybody. It's just that I don't like it. And this happens to be a YouTube channel where I tell a million people that. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's also like every, let's take foundation. For example, there is a gajillion of them on the market. We're never going to be happy. I I feel like women will never be happy with lipstick, with foundation or with jeans. We will always buy those things on repeat because we constantly feel like there may be mascara too. We constantly feel like there might be something better out there. And a lot of times it feels better because we're seeing it on an airbrush skin model on, you know, a billboard. And it's like, well, if it looks like that on her skin, maybe that's how I'm going to appear, you know, that version of perfect. So that's changed a little bit in the last few years, a lot less editing and stuff like that. But I realized that with foundation, like every single individual foundation actually has like a different process of use. You can't mix your primers with your foundations all the same. Everything is so individually different. So you can't just like, you can't just like make a judgmental opinion on one thing without knowing proper use. And I think a lot of that, it comes from now the very, the very quick 15 second viral sort of takes on things 
that we're seeing is like, it's not actual. And that's one thing that the Jones Road drama really brought up was that like how traditional use and proper use were very two different things. And that was a big part of that divide where people who were using it properly and people who were just using it like they would any other foundation. So I actually really love your approach to honesty. And I think that it it's something that is always been uh, since the second I heard you talk and like you, you're such a compassionate person, but yet so honest and so real. And you've stepped really into motherhood now. Now, mm-hmm. I got to ask this because you went from being in the infertility space, living, not just in it, you you were living that experience for a really long time, then became pregnant and step into motherhood. Did you find yourself struggling with balancing the gratitude and the excitement and joy that comes with that experience with also the reality and the discomforts and maybe some of the hardships of motherhood as well? Or how has that process been for you? I don't think I've made any secret about, (laughs) if anybody listening to this follows me, they know how I feel. And that's because I feel that it is extremely expected that the words that people speak about motherhood are positive because this is a human life and people feel in any way that if they say that it's bad, that you're saying that you don't love your child or that you wish you wouldn't have had them or any of those, those experiences. And you clearly know what it's like. You have four children. You know what it's actually like. I think that the expectation that I had of what motherhood would be like versus the reality of it, somebody could have tried to explain it to me a little bit better, better, but it's not something you can really know until you know, because for me, I was expecting sort of him to fall in line with just like what I do in my day. And then it became that my day is about <laughs> that. And then I, I really take the back seat as a human being. Mm. And the transition into motherhood for me was jarring to say, yeah. to say the least, because I was very, very set in my ways as a person, cat lady. I've got a bunch of cats. I, I work on my YouTube channel. I wake up when I want to wake up. I eat what I want to eat when I want to eat. I relax when I want to relax. We go where we want to go when we want to go. And so that is so the antithesis of motherhood. Everything for me, at least is like, okay, when is the next nap? Okay. And has, has he eaten yet? And has, okay, well, and he didn't sleep very good last night. So everything is a schedule and everything is so not how I was living my life that the transition for me was like, shocking. Mm. And I very quickly developed postpartum depression and anxiety, yep. like al- almost instantaneously. And I had a very traumatic birth, which I have the whole video up on YouTube, mm-hmm. but I wanted the birth you had, but I got the birth that I, you, that I wasn't hoping for. And it took really long and it was real. it was really traumatic. And the, he didn't breathe for a while after birth and it was just really scary. And so that was like the entrance into what would be the next year for me, which was literally living. If people don't experience anxiety, they wouldn't know what it really feels like. And so I can only describe it as that it literally felt like I was living in a state of perpetual fear, like unreality almost. I felt like I was losing my grip on reality and postpartum, just the lack of sleep and the huge transition and having the the isolation, because this was in the middle of the pandemic. It literally was like, I was living in a nightmare, mm-hmm. but with this beautiful baby who it's not his fault. And it's, no. he's, he's just a baby. And he, and he's, of course he doesn't sleep because he's a baby. And it's just the lack of, you know, village that exists with, with most people. I just feel like, especially in our modern 
today's society, we really don't have, you know, or twenty a pandemic. People. Yeah, we yeah, weren't so allowed. Yeah, yeah. we literally weren't allowed to have people around. And then when they did come around, you're so afraid that that you're going to get sick or that something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. That it was just this perpetual state of fear. And so for me, specifically with postpartum depression and anxiety, it was really hard of a transition for me. And I don't feel like I really gained my footing so far in motherhood until like literally the past few months, maybe Mm. like, maybe when he turned like 18 months and he's like almost 22 months now, I am like, okay, I, I feel like I'm, I'm finally a human again. Like I'm Mm -hmm. coming out on the other side of it, but it's dude, (laughs) no, but ever prepare you for the level of self-sacrifice that you have to give as a mother. And it is like, I just cannot believe that 7 billion people exist on this word with how hard this is. (laughs) And it's, it's so much better now, but it's really, I mean, you know, it's like, I do. And it's also like, I don't know. It's, it's so wild because you even talk about birth trauma and I had birth trauma from my first three and I just went on being like, okay, so I don't have any, I don't have, I'm not having any more kids. Like I'm fine. I don't ever have to deal with it. So I had opposite of you. I had prenatal depression and anxiety because I was so terrified of birth. So I ended up having a really beautiful birth, but the entire way all the way up into it was like, gripping the sides of everything, being like, I actually can't do this. Somebody needs to get me out of this situation. I would literally banter with my husband and be like, no, I have no way out. I have to push this out or it has to be cut from my body. And I don't know how to get out of it, but I need, I need out. I need to get out. And it was so terrifying. Yes. Thank God for therapy, but thank God for people like you that are talking about birth trauma too, because I do think that it often kind of gets washed aside. We go from being this delicate pregnant person who is like so cared for and so tended to, to this delicate baby in your arms, but no longer asked about yourself and, and postpartum. So I've learned is also a very high risk for those who have dealt with infertility because there is such a difficulty for so many to put their feelings somewhere when this is maybe all they've ever been wishing for, 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 for you, like a very, very long time, where can you possibly put those feelings? And I think that that sort of is the the most brutal, but also such an honest approach into motherhood. And I think one thing that has motherhood has been really wild for me this time because it's the first time that I actually had a job while having kids. And that was Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to let go of the stuff I love and I don't want to let go of me in this process and really sort of grappling with what does it mean to compromise the mother I was before and the mother I, I have to be now in order for this to work. And also like, yeah, that joy and that understanding of things being temporary, the sleepless nights being temporary, the them being little and feeding so much being temporary. And I feel I cling sort of to, there's like this one account I I really, really love. And she was talking about uh, Emily Vondi. She's on TikTok and on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about what a hard day she had with these kids. And it was so tough. And then she's like, and I tucked them into bed and I just, they all wanted to sleep in the bed tonight. So I went back and they're all like snuggled into bed. And I, I, I messaged her and I said, I appreciate this so much because in all of the honesty that we're having with each other, sometimes I feel so foggy in is this all just a shit show and it just never gets better? And I need, you need moments to also cling to, like you said, these like beautiful little joyous yeah. humans 
that are the what that's why there's billions of people on this planet it's why we do what we do because it's so hard but there's i i constantly remind myself it's a it's a game of catch and release we're constantly yes. catching so much and we're releasing a lot of it because it doesn't serve what are you putting i i say memory bank what's in the memory bank i don't want to remember yes. how hard it all was i want to acknowledge it i want to meet it there i want to see it i want to catch it i want to understand i want to grasp it for a second but i'm going to eventually release it because what i want to hold on to is just what a beautiful experience it is too. And the fact that it can be both, you can be struggling and you can be joyful. (laughs) And that is like a, it's a weird, it's a weird concept, but I I was always curious about you because even within, I remember you guys had an accident within the first year. I actually, that changed. I, I was literally like on the stairs, like it changed a lot of us, you know, it made us all a little bit more careful. I think going down the stairs, how was it when you were struggling with anxiety? If you're open to talking about it, oh, um, I am so open. Yes, <laughs> but you know, like struggling with anxiety and like the what if something goes wrong and then it does. And I think a lot of us, there is that I want nothing ever to go wrong, and then things do go wrong, and then you come face to face with everything that my mind has been preparing me for is happening in this moment, and I have to face it. How was yeah. that for you? Well, and the thing, the thing about anxiety, if, if, if any of you listening don't have it, basically it's your mind telling, giving you every worst case scenario of what could ever potentially happen. But to the point where it, at least for me, it's literally debilitating. Now my, mm. my anxiety is almost completely surrounding health. So it's mm. almost all health anxiety, which would be like afraid of me dying, afraid of my son dying, afraid of my husband dying, afraid of illness, afraid of all these sort of things like that, that are out of control. Like you, you really can't control what viruses somebody might sneeze on your face in the grocery store if if an accident happens. And so that's always the main fear. So when I did the accident that she's talking about is we fell, I was carrying my nine week old son down the stairs and I was wearing socks. What a mistake. But I, my foot slipped on the second to the top stair and I fell down the entire staircase. I mean, and it was literally like, I was at the bottom before I had even realized what happened. And he had fallen out of my arms at the top, like the second to top staircase. And I was literally it was like a nightmare. I mean, it was like literally screaming, crying. We immediately called 911. They came, they took us to the hospital. He was completely fine. I messed up my arm pretty bad, but I'm fine. But I think what I have learned, cause I, I was in therapy then, but I really wasn't vibing with my therapist. I really didn't get into therapy until I had like a really severe mental health crisis at 10 months postpartum. Mm-hmm. And I have learned though, that through therapy, she said, you know, this was one of your worst fears and it happened. Yeah but the worst thing that you were afraid would happen didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But it was one of the biggest fears. So things can happen and turn out. Okay. And so mm-hmm. you have, so my mind always tells me like we fall down the stairs, we die, yeah. but that's not what happened. And so, and the same situation, like I was always afraid of my son getting sick. Well, then he got sick and he got a fever. And instead of my mind doing what it would normally do. And it would literally spiral to the point where that's what happened. And I didn't sleep for like days on end because I was such a heightened state of anxiety that that's when I had to start seeing a therapist, get on medication. Yeah. I do therapy multiple times per week still, because it, I was, I was anxious before I had him, but having him was just, I love him so much Yeah, that if anything happened to him, I just, I can, I can't, it's terrifying. You, you know, <laughs> no, it's, it's literally the worst. And when you, my, my anxiety for my first, and at the time there wasn't a lot of diagnosis for things like this. So my postpartum yeah. anxiety was around cars. So I couldn't enter a car with my firstborn who's now 16 and like about to drive, which is so wild to oh. me. 
But like I, I would, I couldn't be in cars with people. I couldn't drive them. I couldn't be in them. I couldn't be in a reality where she was in one. And I, I just, I didn't even process that until actually this last time. And I, and I did a post about it because I was so proud. My very first postpartum appointment, I got in the car and I drove to the appointment. And that to most people, that would be nothing. I'm like, for me, 15 years after that birth and not being able, like being so crippled by anxiety of not being able to get into a car, I just got into a car in the middle of the snow and I drove to our midwife appointment and I did this thing. And I was like, it's so, it is, it's also terrifying when you have anxiety on top of all of that. But I I actually had somebody who is anxiety, Josh, he's one of my favorites because he really allows me to humanize my anxiety in a way where it's like, these are the things you're afraid of. And just because they aren't real and like, it's, it's like, um, you're preparing for the worst of something. It doesn't mean that you're not facing a very real fear. So he kind of manifested it for me in the sense of like those in our, like if somebody woke up and was, you know, diving out of an airplane or facing a lion, that level of fear that they're having, that's the same amount of courage that you're dealing with just facing things that, our every day. Like anxiety is how we safely try to move through this world. It also can spiral out of control. Sometimes it can be really, really difficult, especially with children, because then it feels like it's no longer, you no longer have any control. I have to watch, I I say this all the time, but I have to watch the movie Nemo at least three times a year, because in that movie, all of his fears happen, everything that he's terrified of. But to your point, not all the way bad, not all the way to the worst, but the bad things do happen. And there's that one line. And I always tell people to watch it before the first day of school, because it's like that moment where you have to pass off your kid to somebody else to help care for them. And Dory says this one line where she says, when he says, I just don't want anything to happen to him. And she goes, well, that's too bad because if nothing ever happens to him, then nothing will ever happen to him. And it's like, oh crap, it's so hard. It's so hard to let them go. And it's so hard to let them do, so hard to let them bang their head or get sick or have all of these things happen. But if you never let anything happen to them, then nothing can ever happen to them or for them. And I'm like, oh, this is like, that is like such a perfect movie of like manifesting parental anxiety. And the reality is like, even the worst things that happen maybe aren't as bad as we actually thought they might be. And and it's such a balance. And I appreciate you for, I just saw that it's like the one year anniversary of that big mental health crisis for you. When did you, did you recognize, did you have a moment of like, this is big and I need help? And how did you, because I think a lot of times people maybe struggle with realizing that they're inching towards something or that they're struggling, but don't actually know how to go with the next step. And for somebody like you who maybe already has like health anxiety to even acknowledge that something's not right. How did you take those first steps when you realized something was wrong? Well, and I knew something was coming. I could feel that I was, I was waking up every morning because, you know, this was like 10 months postpartum and I was still really, I just, life was not fun. Mm. I would wake up in a bad spot. I would Mm. like, I knew that upon waking, I was already at like an eight or 10 out of 10 anxiety. Like I just felt anxious all day long and I could put on a face. I could smile. I could still make YouTube videos, but I just felt heightened constantly. And so I had even actually reached out to Sam, you know, Samantha Ravendahl, and she's open with her experience with antidepressants. And I was, I had talked to her and we, we have a, like a Marco Polo conversation going on at all times. And I was like, 
what do they feel like? And so she kind of told me, and I, I, so I had asked prior to my crisis that happened. So I was already becoming a little bit open to the idea of like, I just feel awful all the time. Like just always afraid of everything. And then I, so what had happened was my son got sick and sickness, meaning he started vomiting. Like he vomited like eight times within an hour. And at this point he was 10 months old, fragile little beings. And my mind went to the worst case scenario. And he stopped like after two hours, he was actually totally fine, but I was not okay. Mm. Seeing my baby throb like that, because it was like, my mind immediately goes to the worst possible thing. And then that night I was scrolling TikTok and I saw a TikTok of a parent who was crying because their child who looked very similar to mine had just passed away from childhood cancer. Oh no. Yeah. And in my anxious brain, whose baby was puking earlier that day, I convinced myself that my child had, and that's what anxiety does for me is I, I just thought of all the worst case scenarios. So I didn't sleep that night. I didn't get one week of sleep. I was literally up with my heart pounding all night long. The next morning I, I was, I was literally losing my grip because I was like, Oh man, cause I was in a fight or flight. I literally mm. felt like I was sick to my stomach. I was, I wasn't able to eat that next night. I tried to go sleep. I couldn't sleep again. And my heart was, and I'm, I mean, not even a wink of sleep. Like I was just laying in bed awake, racing, trying to sleep where you can't nightmare fuel because everyone is silently sleeping around you. Your baby's asleep and you're just counting down the time that, you know, they're going to wake up. And then I called the therapist that next day and I was like, help me. And I called my doctor and I told her, please help me. I, I can't, I can't do this one more night. And so she prescribed me some medication. It didn't work again. The medic, I was too heightened. I was literally at a 50 out of 10 anxiety. I literally felt like as if a thousand lions were chasing me and you were throwing me from an airplane. It literally felt like just, I could feel my body vibrating with how anxious I was. And then that night I, so I called my doctor and I said, I don't think I'm going to be okay. Like I actually feel like I need to be admitted into a a hospital or something. I need something. So she prescribed me lorazepam, which is an anti-anxiety medication. She was like, I want you to take this tonight and I want you to sleep. And Oh, this, this was not on day three. I think we were like on day five or six here, we had tried four or so days of different medications that did literally nothing for me because I was too anxious, but then that one got me to sleep. And so for like the next eight months, I started antidepressants that day. I was literally sob crying. I was like, I did not want to take them. What if they go through my breast milk? What if they affect my baby? What if they change my personality? What if they make me worse? What if they don't help all these anxiety? What ifs, but I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. I was literally at rock bottom of my mental health. I've never felt worse in my entire life. I was actually shaking constantly all day long, tears streaming from my face from sun up to sundown. I wasn't able to sit with my son. I wasn't able to look at my husband. I was actually unwell. And yeah. then I, I started immediately with three times weekly therapy, which is a lot of therapy. If anyone's yeah. never done it, usually people go like once every other week, I needed constant supervision and support from people. I had three doctor's appointments a week and three therapies a week. And I was needing them to check on me. My doctor would call me in the morning, making sure, did you, are you okay? Cause I was, I was really bad. Like yeah, I felt unwell and I was making very, I had a lot of scary thoughts, which I, I just not one of those people, but you know, you mental health matters. And so yeah, I, it was, it took everything for me to take that pill every morning to try to get better. And then slowly, and I'm talking slow. I think it took me six weeks to start feeling even kind of better, mm. which was like the longest and worst six weeks of my life. But I trusted my doctor every time she would say, you will feel better. And it felt like she was lying to me. I couldn't believe her. 
And just as time went on, I slowly felt better each day. And then some days I would have a hard day again, and then the medication and therapy. And then I finally, my anxiety was to a point where I could start implementing a little bit of the techniques that they were teaching me of how to calm down and how to change your mind. And then my doctor or my therapist and doctor both basically wrote me a prescription for no Google, because when you have health anxiety, you cannot get on Google because you will convince yourself you're dying. You will convince yourself your baby's dying. You will, yep. you will do that because it all it can't tell you. So I have mantras I had to say that that somebody else's experience does not mean that will happen to me. And then we're a year into therapy now. I'm still doing therapy twice a week. I still take my medication, which when I say medication, I mean antidepressants. And I was so so I told myself I'd never take them. I would never be that person. And then I just said, it doesn't matter what person I'm trying to be, how, oh, how I don't want to take medication. I didn't want to be one of those people. It doesn't matter. You have mm. to be here for yourself. You have to be here for your son. You have to be here for your husband and your family. And you need to be better because life is worth living without anxiety. And now I don't have anxiety. I I, I have a regular level. I don't wake yes. up with 10% anxiety. Of course, I still have mother worries. I still, yes. but I did not realize I could feel like this. I mm. did not know. I thought anxiety was my personality. No. Wow. You know, because I was just that anxious person. No, I am who I am now without the constant crippling fear and worry. I have a normal amount of fear and worry now. Yes. And the, the amount of fear and worry that keeps you going through the day that tells you not to go down a dark alley, that tells you to go on a lit path. Like yeah, anxiety, anxiety is, is, yes, it is a survival needed. tool, right? Yes. Yes. But so I'm curious about this because I've never been on medications. One of my kids is, and we've seen like one of the most incredible turnarounds and right. she's allowed me to share about that. But I have to ask for somebody who's like a creator. Did some of those fears come true where it came to like, it's going to impact my creativity or it's going to impact this? Can you kind of speak to like how it made you feel overall besides the anxiety point? Like, did it have any other impact on you as a person that was maybe something you feared? It made me better in mm. every way. And mm. in fact, it everything I was afraid of happening was all anxiety. It yeah. wasn't real. I I created and you know, some everyone has different experiences. Some people may react really poorly to it. And for the first yeah, absolutely. Week, I felt I felt horrific. I felt yeah. the worst I've ever felt when I started them, but I gave them a chance. And I, I'm not gonna be honest with you, I gave them a chance because of Sam, because I was messaging yeah. her and I said, Will I feel better? She's like, you can't see it now, but yes, just give it the chance. Give it the six weeks. And if at six weeks you don't feel better, then you talk to your doctor. And man, I felt so much better. And no, I didn't lose my personality. In fact, I feel like I'm exactly the same. I just don't really kind of sweat the small stuff anymore. Every small And no, I'm just as creative. I feel like I'm just as, in fact, I'm more because I can devote a lot more time and energy to things that I couldn't even begin starting before because the task itself was anxiety inducing because I don't even know where to start. So no, all of the things I was afraid of weren't real and all of the good things that can come from it. I feel, I feel zero side effects. Mm. I feel perfectly normal. And I feel just like, I wish I would have started a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) I could have lived a life that was way less. It's the same life I'm living, but not in my head. Mm, mm-hmm. In my head, it was like it was chaos, and now it's calm. And you know, it's just sad that I think that a lot of people vilify medication, and rightfully so. It really does mess up some people, but it could literally be the difference between life and death between for some people. And yeah, I um, actually went down. I I did Google when we were going down the path of you know my daughter has to go on a 
prescription. Like, and I went down, I've never been on one. So I was terrified, right? Like, and, and the warnings they give you were terrifying. And so I went on certain Reddit pages about it and stuff like that. And I just read like story after story of people saying like, it gave me my life back. And I feel like I'm the person I've always dreamed of being, or like this saved my life. Or there was one person who wrote something. They're like, I don't know who's reading this, but if you're on day one, I want you to hear it from somebody on week six that like, just stick with it. It's going to work. There's hope. It gets better. And I was like weeping at it and, and just feeling so much hope in something like this and just seeing the impact it made on our family, on, you know, somebody you love, it makes such a difference to just be supportive of those types of decisions. So I hope that people listening, maybe if they feel like, like you said, sort of that lead up to a crisis, maybe they're having those warning shots are coming and then maybe it's time to like go and have, start having conversations or looking into what their options are. But as always, I think that your approach to everything is with brutal honesty. And I think that a lot of people relate to the fact that medication is scary. Medication is not Mm -hmm. a, you know, you, you want to try and be somebody who doesn't need it. Like I'm not that category. I'm not that person. I'm stronger than this. And the reality of it being healthcare, the reality of it being mental health, like aid, like it is something that truly allows you to live your life, to be the mother that you are, to be the creator that you are. And all of those things, I think it's so fascinating that we're sitting here and we started through makeup and into motherhood and into mental health. And it's like, I will always be brutally honest. And that goes from mascara all the way down to antidepressants. And that just encapsulates exactly who you are. And I've just really uh, like, thank you for today. Thank you for your honesty about everything and your approach to life and just your heart for people and the reality of what it is to be human. Where can everyone sort of find you and tap into all that goodness? Well, I am Raw Beauty Christie on everything. I sometimes do. T- I'm trying to get into TikTok. I wish I would have a long time ago. I, I know, did. right? Same. I wish I, I wish I hadn't like poo-pooed it so long ago. And now I'm like, damn like, it. I'm, so like, fun over there. Anything. This isn't going anywhere. Well, how wrong was I? Um, <laughs> YouTube was my main platform, but I also do Instagram stories and Instagram. And, you know, I just, that's, I'm the same everywhere. And I just try to be as honest as I can everywhere I go and, you know, sharing my life and gardening and motherhood. And yeah, I love your gardening. Yeah. It's so That's cool. I kill, I kill everything. I bought 42 plants over the pandemic stress buying. And now I'm like, you never learned how to care for these things. And now you have like death among you. It was like so green and luscious. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, just death everywhere. I look so, <laughs> yeah. except for the ZZ plants and the snake plants. They know how to thrive in like yeah, rough environments uh-huh. and lack of care. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Christy, thank well, you thank so, so much. much. Yeah, yeah. It, this was really, really, really great. Thank you for everything you do. Like I said, and for everyone listening, I'm going to have that all in the show notes for you. Check out Raw Beauty Christy. That's Christy with a K and an I at the end. And as always, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. 
find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at pink papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at pink papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.